Hello and welcome back. Again, we're here at the IMCA Annual Conference in San Diego 2017. And one of our main platform speakers is here, Nathan Harness, Ph.D., professor out of uh, Texas A&M University. Nathan, welcome to the conference. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So, Nathan, uh, you are a professor there in financial planning. You're also a CFP. You've been widely published. We won't go over all of those. And your topic here at the conference is the millennial mindset. What are you telling the attendees? You know, it's been interesting because there aren't very many millennials here. You look in financial services in general, and what we find is there aren't very many millennials. The the feel I gave in there is there are more CFPs today over the age of 70 than there are below the age of 30. Our industry is aging. The average advisor today is 54. Our average client is 10 years older than the average advisor. And so when we think about diversification, in our practices, not only from a practice management standpoint, but from a client standpoint, we have to consider this next generation. Millennials now are the largest living cohort in our country. They represent about a third of the U.S. population. By 2025, which is really just down the road, they'll represent 44% of our workforce. So so tell us here, um, Nathan, you've done a lot of research on millennials. Are they getting a bad rap in terms of their reputation? You know, it's interesting. One of the the pieces that I started with when I started the whole conference when I was speaking I gave a quote and the quote goes something along the lines of they're lazy they participate in recreational drug use they have liberal political leanings and I go on and on and I ask the audience does that sound about right and everybody nods their head and what's fascinating is that's actually a quote from a World War II generation about a baby bummer <laughs> and so we, we always want to overlay or cast a shadow of the next generation as though their coming of age is so much uh, lesser than ours is that when we were their age we would have done the following what's interesting and, and what I try to convey is that we're just different each one of us are different ironically I think um, this millennial generation is very similar to a boomer generation they have a lot of similar similarities one to the next but millennials also have a value system that's a little bit closer to the silent generation so it's fascinating when we break down each one of these cohorts and of course we're talking about macro statistics we're talking about the 50th percentile so you're gonna have tales of the distribution that look different you're gonna have of course you're gonna know somebody that doesn't fall into context of what we're talking about but nonetheless when we look at this broad cohort, I think some of what people are saying about them is completely true. I'll give you an example of that. An advisor told me, he said, you know, millennials, they just want my job. When, I, when I'm looking to hire them, they just want my job. And my response is, that's exactly what you want. You want them to want your job because that means that they have a desire to grow. The problem is you won't need them to understand how they get there. They don't just start into your job. Explain to them how you you got to your job and the pathway of success that could take them there. So I think there's some minor disconnects like that. When you look, we can make some small shifts to where two generations can merge much better than they are currently. You know, Nathan, the most common thing that I hear about millennials in terms of uh, investing is that uh, they are very focused on socially responsible investing. Is that what you have found? Yeah, it is. Um, I used an analogy. Past generations, so I'm a Gen X, and baby boomers have been taught to 
look into the mirror. So I, I use this mirror analogy. Look into the mirror and reflect upon yourself to say, how can I change myself? And that's what they've been trained to do from a young age. Fast forward, millennial generation, they are more windows. They look out upon the world and say, how can I impact the world rather than how can I impact myself? So there's this shifting of the tides generationally that's caused this generation to have values and a value system that is more socially responsible. Pew Statistics back some of this up. When we look at um, even parenting, the amount of family values that this generation has with their parents, Pew Statistics show us that this generation has had more time with their parents in the parenting, quote-unquote, relationship in past generations. Mom and dad have invested a ton of time in their children. Tell me about it. It's <laughs> You know what that investment feels like, right? <laughs> but, you know, an investment is monetary, and it's also time of, of values, in, in, in laying implicit values, a value system upon a generation. This generation seems to have it. They have it um, in the way that they want to invest. It's their preference. If they can do it, their preference is to do it socially responsibly. So tell us, have you written articles on this that people could access? You know, some of the easiest uh, non-academic reads out there, if you were to Google Evolving Advisor and then Nathan Harness, you'll see a couple of pieces that I put out there that are just broken down, simplistic, of how you can engage this next generation or even understand them. I wrote a piece comparing them to animals. Uh, I don't know that the millennial generation will appreciate it as much as I did, but I compared a millennial to a mule. And the reason that I did that is my grandfather had mules growing up. Never saw my grandfather cry except when that mule died. He had a relationship to those mules unlike unlike he did with us. And if you were to ask him about a mule, what he would tell you is that they're a very intelligent animal, that they're highly intelligent. They're a pack animal that would work really hard, but they're stubborn and they're curious. They're a very curious and stubborn animal until they trust you. Once they trust you, they'll walk over a cliff with you. And I think of millennials much the same way. They're misunderstood because they are curious and they're stubborn in the way they want to approach things. But if you can take the time to explain to them why you're doing something and they come on board with your purpose statement, if they believe in the purpose that you have for our industry, they'll go right off the cliff with you. And hopefully it's not a cliff that you're going off of. You know, uh, Nathan, uh, I'm going to have to read those things to better understand how to communicate and effectively persuade my children because <laughs> I'm not always effective there. So, uh, Nathan, uh, for those who would like to know more, what can they do? Sure. There's several great books out there. I, I always... When I'm engaging um, the next generation, I prefer to do it face-to-face. -face. Just humanize what you read in a book. That's how this all started for me. I was watching my students. My clients are the millennial generation. As a matter of fact, I got two more cycles left, and I'm no longer in millennials. I'm into the next generation, Gen Z. So with these millennials, I became fascinated. I became fascinated in just watching them and trying to determine why they do what they do. There's a plethora of information if you're just to Google millennials. Everybody has an opinion in this space. Right, right. Uh, I would I would encourage you to begin with simple observation. I mean, as a, as a researcher, that's what I do. I go out and I, and I simply observe and I say, how can I have influence? And what, at first I want to record and observe and then how can I have influence? So I ask myself that question. If you uh, want to, again, Google my name, you'll, you'll find several pieces behind that. But there's, there's a ton of information out there. I would encourage you to go to directly to the source. Okay, Nathan. 
so thank you very much. We appreciate that. So if somebody would like to contact you or hear more uh, about you or from you, what could they do? Yeah, um, so I'll get real millennial here on you and <laughs> reference Google. If you Google financial planning, comma, Texas, you're going to see the first hit is Texas A&M Financial Planning, and, and that's by design. We did that. We use search engine optimization so that we are one of the top hits that are out there. So you'll see the program. As a matter of fact, you'll see a video of me right on the onset encouraging people in financial planning. And there's an email address, just financialplanning at tamu.edu. You can reach out to me that way. I'd love to engage anyone in this space. Okay. So, Nathan, thank you very much. Final words for our listeners here. Yeah, I would encourage you. Um, I've always heard it said that empathy is earned rather than learned and with this generation if we really want to understand how to engage they are the future of our economy we're going to have to have an engagement so I would encourage you to earn some of that empathy by engaging this generation understanding where they came from and help direct them by giving very specific measures and metrics on how they can grow we've shifted from an economic standpoint of uh, generations in the past that had extreme loyalty to their companies, but that was because companies were loyal to employees. So what can we do about that? Nathan, thank you very much. This has been very, very interesting, especially as a father of uh, millennials uh, in the past and, uh, and the present, and I really appreciate your input in joining us here. Happy to do it. Again, we've been talking with uh, Nathan Harness, PhD, professor at, of uh, financial planning at Texas A&M University, and we're here at the uh, IMCO National Conference uh, in uh, San Diego 2017, and we'll be right back.